You are now listening to a special edition of Darko's Apple Farm featuring the NHL preview with Brandon. Stay tuned. All right, everyone, we're back with Darko's Apple Farm and we have our first ever guest. Um, Brandon's here to do a little preview of the NHL season with us. Hey, Hello, guys. Welcome What's going to- on? Farm. All right, appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. We have Macintoshes, Red Delicious, and hockey. All right. And Serbian's right. finest. No, is sir. there any apple pie? Mm. There is there cherry is. pie. There okay. is. Nice. All right, Brandon. I thought- so um, I just wanted, yeah. I wanted to kick this off for you with um, just a quick preview of what's going to happen with the season. I mean, we're even – we're still dealing with a pandemic, so, you know, What's the expectation? There's no preseason. What do we got here? All right. Well, how long do you guys have? Because I can I could talk about hockey all day long. So <laughs> you have to reel me in if I start uh, if I start rambling too much. All right. <laughs> Perfect. That's why we have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you know, like it's going to be a shortened season this year, um, obviously due to worldwide pandemic. Um, but it's going to be 56 games. Season's going to start. Uh, with no fans in most of the arenas, you know, because that's going to vary from state to state. Hopefully, um, you know, sometime in the early to late spring, we might start seeing fans trickle into other arenas around as the uh, vaccinations get more readily available. Um, But we're lucky that this season's is going to even take place this year because there's a big concern from the owners. Unlike most other sports, like the NHL, they don't have huge revenue from TV deals. So they're, they're mostly a uh, ticket. Yeah. It's a ticket based league, you know, um, or, or gate based league. Um, and so the, the owners were concerned because they're going to be losing a lot of money this year with no fans in the arena. Now, the alternative would be to not have a season, right? Um, you know, but hockey has always been, you know, a relatively niche marketplace within the United States. And they've been kind of gaining momentum since about 2013 with more viewerships and better TV deals and stuff. And, and we've already had multiple seasons where there were lockouts and completely lost seasons before. And uh, I was going to say, yeah, I feel like with the um, after the lockout, the NHL does not want to go through a situation where they're not playing again. Exactly. That's the biggest thing for them. And so I think the players union strong armed or I mean, basically dug in and, and made the, you know, kind of forced the hand of, of the owners and the owners conceded. But ultimately, again, the owners are trying to reduce salary for the players because in, in this league, it's it's. Um, a 50-50 split between the owners and the players in terms of revenue and um, higher market teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs, Chicago Blackhawks, even the Detroit Red Wings, they share revenue across the league. So yearly, sometimes, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs owner will have to sign a check for $25 million as revenue sharing because, you know, they make a lot more than small market teams like, Arizona Coyotes and you know the Florida Panthers, etc. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. It's um, which is why the 
why we're seeing such big numbers for the NFL right now in their negotiation for their next deal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the Red, or excuse me, the, the, the NHL is up and they're supposed to be getting a new TV deal. It's either all, already in place or it's in the negotiation phases right now. So hopefully they'll get a better deal. But ultimately, more money, you know, for the NHL means more money for the players. And this like um, is this the situation a situation where it might actually help the NFL because fans can't be in stadium. You should shouldn't we see a rise in NFL or NHL viewership anyway, which may help them in their negotiation for a new TV deal. That's a great. You point. would hope, yeah, you would hope. Um, I think sports across across the board for a number of different reasons in terms of viewership, to include baseball, basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, football and of course hockey have been down during the pandemic, which is weird because you'd think more people would be trying to tune in to, to, to sports at home because everyone is home now. But we've seen the opposite trend in, in, in most things. I think there's been an uptick in the NFL recently, yeah. um, and hopefully that'll that'll continue to trend upwards because of course you know we're all fans of these sports. We want them to continue and succeed, especially you know <laughs> you, these players. You know you want them to you want them to get what they deserve or you know, make what they what you well, think is a fair value. Sometimes speak, the NHL falls behind. They have the, the smallest salary, you know, salary cap and, 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 and average salary across most professional sports leagues, but certainly among the top four here in the States between the NFL, NBA, and, and MLB. Right. And yeah. speaking of salary, I think this is a moment where we can kind of, I'm going to do a very poor transition. It was the introduction of the salary cap that kind of got rid of the Red Wings dynasty. It caused a downspurt and it caused us to finally break our record long playoff streak, but it also caused us to bring back one of our best players as a general manager. How is Eisman looking as GM? That's a good point. Um, yeah. The, you know, the salary cap was implemented about a decade ago now, maybe a little bit longer. Um, you know, we still had some success after the uh, salary cap, you know, so we have the before the salary cap era and now the current salary cap era that we're in now. Red Wings had success up until about 2013, mm-hmm. um, where they were still considered like uh, um, Stanley Cup contenders from year to year. But um, to your point, Iserman, he came in. Uh, he's he's made some. Well, he, the number one thing he's done so far is bring excitement back to a team that desperately needs it. Um, the last couple of seasons have been uh, uh, less than stellar to say the least for the Red Wings. Um, and so when, when Eisman came in, he brought it, you know, some momentum with him. He's uh, obviously revered across the uh, Metro Detroit, Michigan area. And, he, and he's, he's well-respected in the NHL itself. He's the captain. Uh, and he, and, yeah. And, he, and he's done great things with the Tampa Bay lightning as their general manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, go ahead. So um, just a, you know, after having so many high draft picks recently, um, are we going to be seeing any of the young guys break in this year? Are we, are you expecting to see anyone really step up on the team or um, any of our veteran signings? Are you, what are you looking for? What yeah, the actual in terms of the roster, I mean, I, that's where I'm going to, I'm going to get a little critical of Iserman and Blasio, but but let me, let me just finish up in this point real quick, uh, you know, because I, I, or let me make a caveat. I like Iserman. I think he's going to do good things. Um, and I think he brings a different mindset than Ken Holland does. Um, and and all, for the most part, I like Jeff Blashill. I think he's done okay for what he's been given. I don't think he's had a lot of expectations. 
um, with the roster and, and um, how well the team is performing. What he's been working on mostly is player development. And we're seeing year to year progress from some of our younger guys like Mantha Larkin, Bertuzzi, Zadina, et cetera. Um, that he's done a, you know, a, a decent job at. What people get frustrated with Blashill is the line, the lines that he sends out, the line mixing and things like that, which I can get into, but it, it's a bit frustrating. But this year is the first year where Iserman has put together a team with some expectations. And so, all, you know, most of the time uh, when, when coaches have had as little success as Jeff Blashill has in the NHL, they would have been fired. I think this is his fifth year now as the head coach. Um, and uh, like I said, there's some expectations behind this season. Um, you well, know, not, 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 not expectations as to we're going to run, make us run for the Stanley cup, but we have to be better than we were last year. Mm-hmm. We have a better team than last year. Well, we can't um, be worse than last year. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'd be very difficult to be worse than last year. I guess. Um, yeah. That's the big question. Yeah. What do you consider a successful season for the Red Wings in terms of not just record? Because I mean, it's easy to just point to a number and say, okay, I want this many wins, but what do you want to see in terms of, do you want to see Bertuzzi take the next step? Do you want, what do you want to see that you can say that you can come away and like this season was a success? Well, um, I think a lot of people and uh, are, are expecting the Red Wings not to make the playoffs again this year, mm-hmm. right? Which if they do, that'd be amazing. Um, and we'd all be rooting for them, but it's probably, it, it's, it's not likely. Um, we'd have to have some really stellar, stellar um, performances by our top six forwards and our top four D. And we, we, we'll go into those pieces here in a second. But what I would consider a successful season is um, not losing every game by, you know, two, three, four, five goals <laughs> like, last, like last season. You know, two seasons ago, we had the most losses by one goal. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so we, we, regressed from two seasons ago to last year and I think last last year we had so many games where we lost by three or more goals like we weren't even in them when the third period came around it wasn't close it wasn't fun to watch we weren't in these games a successful year to me would be you know I don't know probably at a 56 game you know had it's hard to say a a win-loss record but yeah you know and I think that I think not losing. I mean, just just to be in every game up until the third period, more one goal losses, you know, um, mm-hmm. make it a little bit more fun to watch, as well as production from uh, certainly our, our top three, our top, our, our top line, Mantha, Larkin and Bertuzzi. I'd really like to see them excel in the point production. And I think most of them or Larkin and Mantha should be. Um, around a point per game this season with Burt slightly under maybe a 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 points per game. That would be successful. I think in my eyes for them, as well as Zadina um, again, so, right around that 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 points per game. This is going to be his first full season with the Red Wings. Um, you know, he's been playing in the Czech Republic um, for the last couple months on loan so he's coming in. He should be in game shape. Uh, a lot of his timing and stuff should be ready because, like I said, he's already been playing games over in the Czech Republic, which is, again, a professional league. It's not um, necessarily as high caliber as the NHL, the AHL, or even 
you know, the SHL, but nonetheless, it's pros. And he was right around a point per game. I think he was 0. 0.89, 0. 0.9 points per game over there um, okay. on limited ice time, right? Because everyone thinks that when it comes to all of our guys that, that went over to Europe to play at the beginning of all these seasons, you know, you think all these teams would want all these NHL caliber players to play on their first line, play 20, 25 minutes a game, but that's not the case because they all know that they're on loan. So they give them limited minutes over there because they know eventually they're going to lose them. So my point on all that is to say when Zena's production over in the Czech Republic was on par for where it needed to be with the amount of time and, and things that he played over there which is nice which is good to see is yep um but let me break down the roster a little bit for you guys um and camp camp started i think about 10 days ago now Mm -hmm. um and they've been using again mantha larkin and bertuzzi as the number one line and that line has potential to be a top 10 line in the nhl And, and that's not an over exaggeration or being overly optimistic last year they were when when you look at a lot of the advanced metrics and stats they were top 10 in a lot of them for them when they were playing together. Um, and then when they're, you know, their, their scoring stats, you know, goals, assists, plus minus things like that. Um, that lacked a little bit, but Mantha was injured twice last season. Um, Larkin and, and Bertuzzi and Mantha didn't get to play a lot together. And Blashill split them up a little bit too, when everyone was healthy, where they would transition Mantha to the second line Um to try and spread out that scoring a little bit. Um, but Jeff Blashill two days ago gave an interview post, uh, post practice, uh, press conference. And he was talking about the lines and, uh, he, that, that particular issue came up and he s- anticipates keeping the, uh, Mantle Larkin Batuzzi liner. What, 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 like, what we like to call the MLB line together. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly at the start of the season and he anticipates where he would like to keep them together the entire season. Again, that's just going to depend on how the second and third line um, produce and how many games sure. we're, we're winning and things like that. So, but that's the goal right now. Um, so and I think my question, yep. Sorry to cut you off. If we, so that's, that's a guarantee that's going to be our top three moving forward. When we look further down into the lines, um, that's obviously with the expansion draft coming up for the Kraken coming in. Um, who are we looking at might actually be dropped and how many people can you actually reserve in your, or how many people can you keep in your expansion draft? All right. Well, you, you want me to finish with the roster first that so we can go into the expansion draft? Um, I think that'd be a little bit easier. Uh, Cause then I'll, I'll talk about, the rules of the expansion draft and who we probably are projecting to protect and, and who we are. Yeah. Let's do, let's do a quick wrap up on, on the roster and then we can jump over to the expansion draft real quick and um, cover that for a few, for a few seconds. All right. So second line, we got Zadina, February and Ryan. Um, Again, this is Philip Zadina is going to be his first full year, even though it's a shortened 56 game season, it's going to be his first full year starting with the Red Wings. Um, He said, you know, um, um, pretty good production in the HL last year, good production in the Czech Republic at the beginning of this year. Um, and then last season he played uh, off the top of my head, I don't know, maybe 20 games, 18 games, something like that last year. And he was scoring at a decent pace. Um, I think he was on pace through an 82 game season 
to score 21, 22 goals. Um, for a rookie, that's pretty darn good. And for secondary scoring, that's excellent. Um, now, Philip Zadina, we had, we would like him to um, progress and evolve into a 30-goal scorer, 60-point winger. That'd be ideal for him. Um, I think that's in his realm of capabilities, and that's probably what the Red Wings internally are projecting for him as well. And then we have uh, Robbie Fabry, who is we picked up last year from the Blues in a trade. He has He's had a... Uh, fair amount of injuries throughout his career. And so he never got going with the blues and the blues actually gave him a favor because they had a team all set because Robbie Fabry was a first round pick and he had some knee injuries and he didn't get to play a lot with the blues. And he finally got healthy last year, but he couldn't make the lineup. And so the blues did him a favor and traded him to Detroit basically for nothing. And uh, Robbie Fabry again, last year played really well on the wing he was on pace, again, through an 82-game season to have 21, 22 goals, which is, again, ideal for secondary scoring. And this year, he's transitioning back to center. So he's played center the majority of his career, minus the NHL. Um, so this is going to be his first year playing center in the NHL, and hopefully he can excel. I don't know how his defensive game looks, but when you're playing center, you, you, you have to have more of a two-way game where you're focused about 50-50 on offense and then on defense as well. So hopefully, I mean, he's a fast skater. He's, he's strong on his skates. I think he'll be all right with that. And then we have um, Bobby Ryan on the wing. This was the first time we picked him up, or the, this is the first year we picked him up um, as an unrestricted free agent. Bobby Ryan was, again, a, a high draft pick back in the day. He, I think he's played about 10 years in the NHL. He's a multiple 30-goal scorer. He had some issues with alcohol. He had to go to rehab and stuff, which kind of sidelined his career. Um, so this is more of a reclamation project for us. Um, he seems to be in good shape, seems to be motivated. And uh, if he's in any form as he was, you know, when he was a bit younger, we should expect, you know, 20 some goals, 60 points from him as a winger. I don't know how much time they're going to give him on the ice, but uh, that's optimistic. So between our top six, we have a, a fairly decent top six in terms, of, in terms of offense, which is good. Our bottom six, um, our, our, our third line, Nemestikov, Filippo, and Gagne, those are three centers playing um, all on the same line. Nemestikov, we picked, up from, yeah, Nemestikov <laughs> we picked up from Tampa Bay. So Eiserman has some familiarity with him. Same thing with Filippo, but that was, uh, I think, last year, two years ago. I can't remember off the top of my head now. And then Gagne. All, you know, uh, uh, fairly consistent guys um all a little bit older in terms of Gagne and Philpola certainly the message costs a little bit younger I think maybe 26 or so um maybe 28 I can't remember off the top of my head but um you know if, if we can get some tertiary scoring from them and some good uh, uh four checking um that'd be ideal I don't expect a lot from that line except uh good shutdown plays um okay and then we got Helm Glendening and Ernie on the fourth line. Again, that's going to be more of that uh, four-checking line. Um, uh, again, most of their point if – if each one of them gets 10 points this season, that'd be – I mean, that'd be quite a bit playing on the fourth line. So we don't expect much from them, but, again, to be a good shutdown line um, against uh, opposing teams' top players. And here's where I get a little bit frustrated with Eisenman because of Adam Ernie right there. Not Real a quick. bad – I yeah. have a quick question before we jump into Ernie. Um, I've noticed that you didn't say anything about Dan Cleary. Is he not on the team anymore? <laughs> is there any chance we're bringing him back? <laughs> Dan Cleary is actually part of player development now. Um, yeah, Damn. And, uh, yes. And he, so he's still part of the organization, doesn't play anymore, but he's part of player development. Or it's either player development or scouting staff. Um, 
I think player development. So he, he's, he's around Grand Rapids a lot, working with some of our young prospects. <laughs> is he also yeah. going to get his own bar as a former Red Wings player? Um, yeah. Wondering what other, what other person could we bring in? Um, maybe a, maybe a Darren McCarty bar, but that seems like it needs to be like, it needs McCarty's to be heart. real drinking zone. It needs to be one of the Detroit bars with no windows in it. It's just made to drink. Drink. McCarty's Hardy's. Yeah. Yeah. Hot <laughs> cheese. Okay, we're done. All we're, right, so we're, so, we're, so, Ernie, so here's what here's what happened. Here's what we have going on. We have two extra forwards right now that are that are on the on the bubble, the precipice of making the NHL, okay. um, which is uh, Andre Svechnikov. Excuse me, Ev- Evgeny Svechnikov. Andre Svechnikov is his brother that plays in Carolina. Um, we have Evgeny Svechnikov, and we have uh, Michael Rasmussen. So when it, and it comes to fourth line production, both of Svech and Rash should be um on at least the third or second or third line but regardless my point is Svechnikov is he has to clear waivers this year if he doesn't make the team um he's bad because he was a 2014 or 15 draft pick um and uh after a certain amount of years if someone doesn't make the team and you send them to the minors they have to do what they call clear clear waivers so Basically, any when you want to send someone down, off you know from to the to the minors, you have to give every other team the opportunity to pick them up for free. Um, mm-hmm. And so this year is the first time he doesn't have waivers and he, he can be picked up by a team if he doesn't make the Red Wings. So what's kind of frustrating is Adam Ernie. You know I don't dislike the guy, but in terms of his his play his playing capabilities. He's what they call like a replacement level player, meaning he can be easily replaced from anybody in the minors and probably a lot of your draft picks. Okay. And so right now, Svechnikov is not projected to be on the top 12. We are allowed to carry 13 forwards, which he may be still one of the 13 forwards, but you only play 12 games. So if he doesn't make that 12 man roster, he'll be sitting what they call the Cleary Cabana, actually the Dan Cleary Cabana, meaning you just watch the games from the press box instead of actually playing, Best which I guess is better than exposing him to waivers. But I, but Sveshnikov should easily be in there over Ernie, even for the simple fact that, hey, it's a make-or-break season for him. You got you to gotta see if he can play or not. And when we have a team with limited expectations, put your guys in there. Let them try it out. Let them let kind of evolve in the NHL, the NHL speed and things like that when it doesn't matter. Cause again, this season, I don't want to say is a throwaway season, but we're not expected to make the playoffs, you know? Uh, so put guys in there like that, let them, let them try to make their mistakes and learn as we go. And then you can really evaluate him. And if he really doesn't look like he's going to cut it in the NHL and then you can send him to the minors and, and if he gets picked up on waivers, so be it, but at least give him a shot. And right now it doesn't look like he's going to be getting a shot. When it yeah. comes to Michael Michael Rasmussen, he was a ninth overall pick, um, and he's been progressing fairly well. He did after his his um, draft plus one year. When it comes to uh, agreements with the Canadian Hockey League, that's their junior system. You have to play there until you're at least twenty years old. You can't be in the AHL, um, or you have to play in the NHL. So. You, if, as a 19-year-old, you can't go into the AHL if you're drafted out of the CHL. Okay. Michael Rasmussen was too good as a 19-year-old to play in the junior leagues in Canada. 
So he was probably better suited for the AHL, but we were stuck between a rock and a hard place. So they played him in the NHL. He did all right. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he had 18 points. I think he had eight goals, 10 assists as a 19 year old rookie um, playing on the third and fourth line. Um, a little bit of power play time because he's a big guy. He's six six. Um, that's really big for uh, for someone in the NHL. Um, and uh, he played full year last year in the AHL. Went through a little bit of injuries, but played well. Again, he was at about a point eight, point seven, point eight points per game. Um, and then he was playing in the Austrian league um, at the beginning of this season. Again, he was at a point per game over there, doing what he's expected to do, more or less dominating lower leagues. So he's, again, another one of those bubble players. He's definitely ready to be in the NHL. It's just trying to find a roster spot for him, which, again, here's my frustration a little bit with Iserman a little bit. He, he signed some – I mean, I'm not necessarily upset with any of the people he signed, like Bobby Ryan, Nemestikov. Not super thrilled with the when they re-signed Gagne, but guy him playing over Ernie and, and, and Nemestikov, it's kind of frustrating. Rash should be in there. Um Again, he might be the 13th forward, but if you're the 13th forward, that means you can't, you're not playing in the AHL and you're not playing in the NHL. You're just watching. So likely, I hope, Svechnikov is our 13th forward. He doesn't have to uh, go through waivers and then maybe an injury happens and he gets to slide into the, uh, into the roster. And then Rass, he can go back to the AHL um, without exposing him. And then uh, hopefully, again, if any injuries occur, um, he can come fill in seamlessly and then hopefully make a permanent roster spot. Oh, that's our forwards. But I think our forward, <laughs> our forward um, top six and our depth overall is pretty good. Um, okay. It's certainly not the bottom of the league. It's um, more or less, I would say it's probably um, in about the middle of the league, to be honest, um, in terms of our, our forwards. Um, now, when it comes to our defense, we have a whole new retooled defense Um uh, between uh, Danny DeKaiser and Hironic probably being our top pairing, followed by Nemeth and Merrill, and then Stahl and Stetcher. Um, Merrill, Stahl, Stetcher are all new this year. They're all veteran players, some younger, some older, but some more stability on our blue line. Because last year, our, our blue line was abysmal. Clearly, it was the last in the league. And that, you know, that's why we, a lot of times, we did so poor. We had no breakouts. We had no actual, couldn't clear the net, couldn't clear re- rebounds. And, then, and, and really, outside of Heronic, there was no offense coming from our, our defense either. But Danny DeKaiser was out the entire season last year. He's coming back this year. He's a decent defenseman. Um, on most teams, he wouldn't be playing that number one defenseman role. He'd probably be a, a second line, number, number three, number four defenseman. But on this team, between him and Heronic, they're switching between number one, number two, you know, what you consider. But they're going to be on the first pairing. Heronic is probably going to score about 40 points. Well, on pace, if it was an 82-point season, he'd have about 40 points, I would I would estimate, which for a defenseman is, um, you know, that's fantastic. You know, once you start getting into 50, 60 points, that's you're in contention for that Norris trophy votes and things like that. But because honestly, the Norris trophy, isn't the best defensive player in the NHL. It's an award for basically the highest scoring defenseman in the league, which is kind of silly to me, but um, how does, I how does the second yeah. line look? say again, how does the second line look? So Nemeth and Merrill Merrill's new, not bad. He's, he's but um, he's play. I think he, he's um, Merrill's from, or, I think he played at Western, if I'm not mistaken. 
um, are from the Michigan area. And Nemeth and Merrill are, are, are vets, and yeah, I think they'll be all right. They're going to be a good shutdown line. They're not going to put, put a lot of points up, but they'll be a decent shutdown line. Same with Stahl and Stetcher. Um, you're not going to see either one of them scoring 30, 40 points, but you know, you might get a dozen points, 15 points between both of them, which isn't terrible um, for a you know, third pairing. And then in terms of our extra D that we have right now, borderline, we have Dennis Chalowski and we have Gustav Lindstrom. Um, no relation to Nicholas Lidstrom, though. Uh, again, both borderline, likely both not going to make the team. We can carry a seventh defenseman, Chalowski or Lindstrom might be that seventh defenseman, but we just picked up another defenseman off of waivers to, uh, yesterday. Uh, his name is uh, Juice. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's D-J-O-O-S. He's another veteran, but he got we claimed him for free because um, I think it was uh, I, Anaheim that, uh, that, that sent, we wanted to send him to the minors, and we claimed him off of those waivers. So he's probably between – he'll probably be the seventh D and, and then Chalowski and, and Lindstrom will be likely playing the AHL when that starts in February. And then finally um, we got towards the end of the season, once the SHL, the Swedish hockey league season is up because we have um, the number six overall pick in 2019 um, with uh, cider playing in SHL right now and uh, he's on pace to uh, break the record for um, 19 year old scoring in the SHL so when we drafted him he wasn't necessarily known for his scoring prowess more of his shutdown defense and his physical game and that's certainly there in the SHL the SHL is a very high level league you know you could probably consider it right slightly below the NHL you know you got the AHL SHL in the KHL all there together that are just slightly below the NHL. My point is the okay. SHL is a very, very good league. And he's more or less dominating as a 19-year-old, which is very, very promising. Um, and so uh, it's going to be fun because he'll likely, depending on injuries and things like that, um, once the SHL season is over, he'll be back in Detroit and he'll probably be playing um, on the Detroit Red Wings. That's great. Um, yeah. At least for nine games, at least for nine games. Um, same with Valeno. Joe Valeno was the 30th, 31st overall pick by the Red Wings in 2018, that same year that we got Zadina. We got, um, and he's in the SHL right now, and he's a, a little bit above half a point per game, um, playing between center and, and wing, and he's doing really well. Um, and so, we project him in the future to probably be our second line center at, at worst, our third line center. So he's, he's one of our um, future guys to look out for a lot of people in the Red Wings community and media and fans. They don't have a lot of high hopes for Valeno, which it's kind of yep. frustrating to me. And I don't think he's going to be a 70, 80 point player in the NHL, but um, he certainly will probably um, develop into maybe a 20 goal, 50 point center. 60 point center at best, you know, and okay. playing second and third line minutes for secondary scoring. That's not too bad. And, and I think that's, I don't think that's um, giving him too much credit either. I think that's certainly capable of, of, of his um, skill. So nice. that's our roster. I think we're going to do a lot better than, than last year, certainly. Um, but looking at our divisions, 
we all got re, re the divisions got realigned. Um, and so right now, Detroit, since uh, for travel reasons and things, um, we now have a Northwest, Central, and East division. And we play, you, you play only in your division for the 56 games. So in the Central, where the Red Wings are playing, we play every team eight times, and that's Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Florida, Nashville, and Tampa. Um, realistically, looking at rosters on paper, we're probably better than Chicago. Um, Patrick uh, Kane is still in Chicago, probably still going to do really well, as well as DeBrinket, um, probably have a good season, but they have, I mean, next to no goaltending. Um, the third overall pick that they got Kirby doc injured himself this year in the world junior. So he's out for the year. And then, um, Taves, um, their captain is also undisclosed reasons, but he's not going to make the, the start of the season. And he's not projected to. So the Red Wings will probably at, at, a, at a minimum place higher than Chicago this year. Um, not a lot of other analysts anticipate that they <laughs> finish higher than any other team. Um, than Chicago and, and to be conservative, they're probably right. Uh, I like to be a little bit optimistic and maybe, I don't know, it's all going to shake out. Tampa's probably going to win the division again. They won the Stanley cup last year. They're still a powerhouse. However, mm-hmm. one of the best players in hockey in Kucherov, he got, he got injured this year and he's had to go to surgery and he's not anticipated. He's or He's supposed to be gone the entire season as well. So that, we'll see how that affects Tampa Bay. Um, I still think that they're going to finish first in this division. All right. Hey, ben, yeah. Um, if we're, so it sounds, it sounds like we're, we're pretty much in the same place as the Pistons and we want to see everyone progress and stay in games. And it's all but lost on us being able to make it to um, the playoffs for the wings as well. Yeah. Um, does that give us any extra protection as we head into the expansion draft? And the no. Name- so here, so when, they, when it comes to the expansion, I told you, so so I told you I can ramble, and I'm glad you're reeling me in because I can I can talk for days about the about the Red Wings. But I'll to your point, I'll, I can discuss the expansion draft now. Um, leap divisional um, uh, play here, and get into the expansion draft. The way that works, so we have we have the um, Seattle Kraken. Are going to be entering the league next year. What's cracking, Bo Jackson? What's cracking, Bo Jackson? What's cracking, Bo Jackson? Yep. Uh, I think it was pretty cool. Uh, There's a lot of speculation what their name was going to be. Uh, maybe something to do with Bigfoot, uh, something to do with salmon, and you know things like that. Anyways, th- they went full. Uh, uh, I don't know. I like it. I, I like the the the, the name. I, I like that it's a little silly. I like that it's a little fun. Um, and it's not just something like the Las Vegas Golden Knights. You know, I thought Don't talk Vegas, shit about the Las Vegas Golden Knights. No, I like fan, the team. The team's good. But when it comes to their name, especially being in Las Vegas, you know, they could have done something fun and they didn't. They chose to play it safe and they're the Golden Knights. They could have been the yeah. coin purse. Since the they, yeah, they, could have, they could have been something fun, but they decided not to. The strip but, even. Yes, exactly. Ooh. The Kraken, though, Seattle, they went all in. And they did something fun, and I'm I'm excited to see uh, how that plays out for them. Uh, their jerseys look pretty cool. Um, how, when it comes to their how their team is going to be uh, um, composed, uh, basically they they're going to get they get entered into the draft lottery this upcoming year. Um, I think no matter what they 
they uh, draft fourth. I think that's how it works. I think they draft fourth no matter what. If they don't win the lottery, that's the place that we put them. Um, and then they get to pick uh, one player from each team. So it'll be 31 teams. They get to pick one player. Um, how, they, how that works is uh, the minimum qualifications that teams have to expose or, 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 or uh, make available for um, Seattle. You have to have at least one defenseman and at least two forwards that are going to be under contract the following year and have played at least 40 NHL games in the prior season or played a combination of 70 NHL games in the past two seasons. So those are the minimum prerequisites that a player exposed has to um, has to be. Uh, Who do you think the Red Wings are going to expose then? Well, I, Red Wings are in a good spot right now. Right now, exempt players are people with no movement clause, first and second year NHL players, and all of our unsigned draft picks. So right now, the Red Wings are in a really, really good spot where I don't think we're going to lose anybody that's really good, essentially. Um, <laughs> so are we going to lose a Gagne and a Philippa or a Philippa yeah. here? Well, there's two, there's two different ways that you can protect your players. You can, you can either protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie, or you can protect eight players total and one goalie. So if you have eight, basically more forwards than you want to protect defensemen, you can go the eight player route or more, def- excuse me, more defensemen that you want to protect than forwards. You can go the eight player route and one goalie. Or if you got more forwards you want to protect, you can go seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie. Anyways, um, so players on the Red Wings that are exempt, that we don't have to protect and won't be available for um, uh, Seattle or Philip Zadina, um, Cider, Joe Valeno, McIsaac, Johansson, Brome, Raymond, who is our, the uh, fourth overall pick this year, Niederbach, Wallander, Berggren, Soderblom, guys like that. Um, we'll, we'll, are, are exempt right now. So we don't have to worry about wasting a, uh, a, a protected, uh, a protection on one of those players. Um, and realistically, when we look at this, this lineup, who we have signed the next year, if we go to uh, cat friendly, uh, that's a standard website. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but I use it a lot for hockey. Yep. It shows everyone that's signed and when they're signed through. Um, so we have a lot of unrestricted free agents coming up that are not going to be under contract. So we don't have to worry about um, exposing them or trying to protect them. Guys like, uh, uh, let's see here, uh, Darren Helm, for instance, Valtteri Filpola, Glenn Denning, Bobby Ryan, even Sam Gagne. They're, none of them are on – like this is their last year. They're all unrestricted free agents after this year. Um, that's going to be good trade bait potentially – depending on how well we're doing at the end, by, by the trade deadline, those guys I'm sure will try to be moved at the end of this season um, for some extra draft picks by some of those Stanley cup contending teams. And same thing when it comes to our defense, Mark Stahl is the UFA this year, um, Patrick Nemeth, John Merrill, Alex Vega. So all those guys, we don't have to protect or exempt. So we don't have a lot of guys actually under contract right now. Um, so who is that, that meets some of those qualifications? So the forwards that we're definitely gonna protect, I mean, are gonna be Mantha, Bertuzzi, Larkin, Fabry, Rasmussen, and if we don't lose Svechnikov to the waivers, I'm sure we'll try to protect Svechnikov or a guy like Giovanni Smith. And how many is that? That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven forwards in our defense that we'll probably try to protect are um, Philip Ronick, Dennis Chalowski, Gustav Lindstrom which essentially that means we're exposing guys like uh, Nielsen, 
um, the Kaiser. Danny DeKaiser. You know, I don't think he, he's still a serviceable defenseman. And I think if we expose him, uh, he does have a uh, like a five and a half million dollar uh, cap hit. And again, for the NHL, that's that's kind of high for the type of player he is. You know, as a, on, on most teams, like I said, he'd be a second pairing defenseman. That's kind of high for a second pairing defenseman. But it depends, you know, because there is a cap. There's a cap floor and a cap ceiling. And if uh, if um, Seattle needs to uh, sign players to meet the cap floor, Danny DeKaiser might be someone if we expose him would probably he's a serviceable defenseman and could help him at least meet that that cap limit or excuse me the cap floor. But it's guys like that we're going to lose. Then there's a lot of guys from in, in, in the AHL that we'd have exposed. It probably names you haven't heard of before, but like, well, Tara Hiroshi is one. He's a borderline NHL guy. We picked him up as an unrestricted free agent. Um, he was playing at Michigan State. He did all right his first season. Last year he didn't. He was in, up and down between uh, the wings and, and and Grand Rapids. But someone like him, we probably exposed Dominic Turgeon, Turner Elson. So. Um, so would you expect that it's um, Danny DeKaiser that gets picked so they can hit it? Or would you expect it to be someone from the AHL that we don't really know? If I had to take a guess, like, again, Nielsen is the same way. He's a, still a serviceable third, fourth line center. He's a little bit older, but he's making about the same as a center. Um, and he, I think he only got one year after this left on his contract. So, between Nielsen and Danny DeKaiser, if we expose them, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure Iserman is probably thinking along these same lines. Um, either one of those players would be an okay player if they're looking to meet the, the ceiling, but if they're looking for prospects that are going to probably be more bang for their buck, you know, Giovanni Smith is a good player. You know, he's hard nosed. You know, he's more of, more or less like fits that like uh, old school grinder type. Um, kind of like a, a, a Tyler Bertuzzi on this team, but uh, um, a little bit bigger, actually. He's, a, he's kind of a bigger, solid guy. Um, you know, he'll be on an entry-level contract. He'll be a good third or fourth-line player if they choose him. Um, Tara Horose, like I said, he's a more of a finesse-skilled guy. You know, he's got, he's got some potential to be a 30-, 40-point guy in the NHL, maybe a little bit higher. Um, you know, if, again, if they're looking for, for players that are going to be low-cost and, and – potentially high reward. Those two guys um, would be good picks. I wouldn't be upset if we lost either of them. Um, I don't want to, of course, I would prefer Smith, Giovanni Smith to be on our fourth line right now. If over, over, uh, you know, Adam Ernie or even Helm at this point. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world to lose any of those guys, especially some of the defensive prospects we have coming up between Chalosky and, um, Mo Sider. All right. Yeah. So, so, so it's, it's, it, we're, ultimately, we're not going to lose anyone. We're not getting our hearts broken. It's not going to be a, a tough expansion draft for us. All right. So it yeah. sounds it sounds like there's a lot of options. Um, and I'm going to hold you to one pick right now. If you are the Kraken, who are you picking? Ooh. Um, if we expose uh, – Tyro Hiroshi, I'd probably pick him as a low-cost, uh, high-value pick for a for a middle six winger. Yep. All right, all right, sounds good. And um, just to wrap it up here, real quick, who are you picking to win the cup? Oh boy, ah, uh, so 
right, give me give me five minutes to talk about the different divisions real quick because it's no, got we got to do it right now. You got to hit right now. Who is your pick? Colorado Avalanche, and I hate to say that. <laughs> I know You're I hate, you just broke the hearts of every Detroiter. They're I know, and it breaks my heart too. But they're really, really good. And it, it are you even a Wings fan? I know, right? It, it hurts. It hurts to say that, but they're a legit team. I don't think Tampa repeats without Kucherov. Um, Steven Stamkos, he's still got a lot of good years left, but he's riddled with injuries. Um, I don't, and I don't know, you know, if they have, if they have what, what it takes to repeat right now. Um, and, and really other contenders, I mean, Boston lost Chara and they lost, um, what the heck's that other guy's name? Uh, they lost one of their other high skilled defensemen. Um, he's from Michigan. Actually, what the, they went to uh, St. Louis. God dang it. I can't remember his name. So I don't know if they, uh, if they have what it takes to make a full run again, um, uh, you know, Maybe, you know, Toronto's got skill. I, they're probably like my least favorite skilled team just because they're the darlings of the NHL and, you know, they get all the spotlight and stuff. So maybe there's a little bit of bitterness there, but they have, they're legit too, between, you know, like, you know, Mitch Marner's legit, you know, Austin Matthews, man, those are some of the best players in the NHL right now. And that's not even to include Nylander or Tavares, man, they got their top six. Now, granted, they're spending like $40 million on four players, three players, which is like unheard of in the NHL. Um, so their back end's lacking, their depth's lacking, but their, their powerhouse up in their top six, that might be enough. That might be enough. And then, you know, like Colorado, St. Louis, St. Louis, you know, they, they, they won two years ago. They're more or less intact, um, but they're getting older. Uh, they lost their captain. So I don't know. I, as I was saying, Colorado, it hurts, pains me to say, but in terms of well-roundedness and high-level skill between, dang, man, they're – McKinnon, he's a powerhouse, and they got Cal McCarr on the back end. Whew, they're going to be dangerous. They're going to be a fun, high-scoring team if not you're not a Red Wings fan. <laughs> I did not see that as the pick. Just, just coming yeah. in, this is – Okay, so well, I'm being I'm being honest. I hate it. I hate it. It's not what I want to happen, but that's my pick. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna have to wrap this up here, Brandon. Um, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for giving us a full preview. We look forward to having you again. And um, one last question is eight inches. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the question. Oh, sorry. How <laughs> many? Who do you think they beat in the in the cup finals? Oh, so who's gonna make who's gonna make it? Oof, that's another good question. Um, no, I don't know. I'd have to. I'd really have top of my head. Maybe maybe a, a Vancouver. You know, maybe a Washington. That's gonna, that's hard to determine right now. But those are some other high level teams that could make it. The way that they're doing the playoffs this year is gonna be a little bit different too, because they I think they're gonna be um, reseeding teams after each um, uh, um, uh, series, which they haven't done in a long time. They used to do it back in the day, and they haven't done it in a long time. So that's gonna be fun to see because potentially you could have two teams from you know the same conference, same division. Potentially, I don't you know. So we'll, It'll be kind of neat. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, hey, thanks for coming to pick apples with us. Yep. Sounds good, guys. You guys. All right. Uh, thank take you. It easy. All right.
everybody right, that was it. Brandon with his NHL preview. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get you right back into the NBA action. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Darko's Apple Farm, getting you ready for the NHL season. We'll see you next time.